Hi, this is Tracy Tiernan. Thanks so much for tuning into the Your Day Brighter podcast. This episode was recorded prior to the coronavirus outbreak across the United States. And while many things have changed in the last few weeks, as far as our daily lives go, there are also many things that have not. The life lessons, the truths, the wisdom, the hope, the encouragement, these things are timeless. And I hope that you'll find lots of them in this podcast to encourage your heart wherever you are. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Your Day Brighter, the podcast. Real stories, real conversations, and real reasons to have hope in this world. Today, I'm going to be talking with Nikki Lerner. She's a culture coach, also one of my very best friends. We're going to have a conversation about race, friendship, and navigating the great divides of culture. If you feel sometimes like you're walking on eggshells, like everyone is so easily offended, I think you're going to be very encouraged by this authentic conversation. Nikki's got some great, great wisdom to share. Well, hello, my friend. Hi, Trace. Hey, hey, hey. Now, listen, uh, you and I have been doing life together for a very, very long time. Yes. And um, if you can't tell, because this is a podcast, Mm -hmm. um, I am Caucasian. What? (laughs) It's shocking. Oh, my God. I I feel like I don't even know you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know a person. (laughs) And my friend Nikki is African-American. I am. And we also have a number of years between us, too. I'm I'm 55, and Nikki is... 43. 43. But we have been doing life together for like 25 years. Yeah, since I was 19. Somewhere around there, 18, 19. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's amazing. So we wanted to uh, talk on the podcast today about just the the beautiful thing about having relationships with people who are different, who have a different cultural experience than you, Mm -hmm. and how in our friendship, Nikki, gosh, we've learned so much from each other. Um, Our differences have made all the difference. Oh, yeah, totally. So there is a story. <laughs> Sometimes you don't realize how different you are uh-huh. or things that are part of your culture that are not part of other cultures. Right. You got to right. tell the uh, green bean casserole story. Oh, yeah. I love this so much. <laughs> so when you, I remember when you and I were hanging out um, when we started, and I can't remember if it, I'm sure it was a holiday. Yeah, I think it was a holiday. Yeah. And I think we were at your mom's house. Yeah. That right. sounds right. We were at your mom's house. And so, you know, food is starting to be put out on the table. And and so your mom puts this this thing down on the table. And I'm like, what is that? You know, and it's sort of like, you know, people from your culture kind of look around like, you don't know what that is? No. What is that? You had never seen it before. I'd never seen that before. All It was like, it was square. It was green. <laughs> there was something very, I'm like, are those green beans? <laughs> Yeah, and awesome. I remember you saying, yeah, that's green bean casserole. I'm like, green bean casserole? What is that? <laughs> so I remember like, okay, you know, I'm going to try I'll try it, right? Get right. a spoonful, try it. I'm like, what is the soupy goodness in the middle of that? You know, what is all of this? There's mushrooms. Oh, the, yeah, you remember right? it well. Oh, onions. Yes. The crispy onion thing. The crispy mm. onions on top. Girl. Mm. So it's on my plate, and I start eating. I'm like, this is the best thing ever, right? I'm, I probably ate half a plate of green bean casserole, <laughs> right? So I think it was like the next day, um, I went and saw my grandmother. And she's like, did you have a good time? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's great. I, man, I had this good, this thing. It was, it's called green bean casserole. She's like, where did you have green bean casserole? <laughs> like, uh, at Tracy's mom's house? 
And she just thought it was the funniest thing. She did. Yeah, because, I mean, this is a sweeping generalization, but at least in my experience in black culture, that's something we don't normally make is green bean casserole. (laughs) You know? And so I just remember it being awesome. And it wasn't even like my Nana was like, well, you know, we'll make some of that. Mm -mm, Right. No, no. I've, I don't think I've ever had green bean casserole at a non-white person's house. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that amazing? And here, all these years, we've just taken it for granted that yeah. everyone knew about the goodness of green bean I casserole. Know. And I then, don't know why you guys are keeping that from us. I mean, that's <laughs> really how I look at it. Well, you were keeping collard greens from, from oh, me. You got That's a good point. That, you know, I didn't know about <laughs> collard greens. This is so funny. Oh. In our friendship so many years ago, I remember the first time I experienced collard greens and you were telling me about them and how your Nana made them Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh I I gotta try them I gotta try them I'd never had them before (gasps) oh my goodness I have dreams about them now yeah girls those neck bones I was like (laughs) (laughs) that's probably too much information (laughs) (laughs) you know you put like the ham hocks neck bones soul food right you put it in there such good stuff oh man such good stuff life is is sweeter and richer and fuller and better when we do it together yes it just is it is um I've just loved our friendship mm-hmm. you know over the years Nikki it's just been such a, a gift to my soul and I want people to know a little bit uh, about what you do now because yes. you know some of the things that just organically have come up over you and I knowing one another over the years this has really become you've become such an expert such a um, a bridge builder uh, such a lover of all people that it's really like a passion of yours mm. for people to understand one another. Yes. And so you're not just a great singer, songwriter, musician. These are all the things that I knew you for, mm-hmm. for so many years. But you are a culture coach. Yes. Nikki Lerner, culture it. coach. I love it. Tell me what a culture coach is or what you are as a culture coach. Yeah, I like to explain to people that my role as a culture coach is to, to help people uh, understand one another and to have some empowering tools to engage more human mm. um, and just more effectively cross-culturally. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, people say this about parenting, right? There, there, there's, there's no manual to, you know, I mean, there's books. But there's no like this is the handbook in order to raise your kid. Right. You know, there's every scenario that absolutely. happens, you'll find it in the book. Not true. Right. So when it comes to culture. There's no manual. There's no manual for, you know, misunderstandings across cultural lines or Mm. somebody trying to understand, well, why is this group mad about this and this other group doesn't care? And I think we keep missing each other so much around around issues of race and culture. And so what I do is I come in for individuals through coaching, help give them some tools and also be a space where people can ask me questions um, without fear of being called something or their heart being misunderstood or because that's usually why we don't get into these things. We're right? afraid of offending. Absolutely. I mean, I, it's my work, so you're probably not going to offend me, right? <laughs> um, and if you did offend me, I'm probably not the person you're going to come to for help because you don't <laughs> care. <laughs> so. Right, right. So I do that. And then for um, organizations, for businesses, for churches, churches in particular, because um, we need to get better at this, Mm. Um, is trying to help them know what are some of the blind spots, you know, that you might have and not in a judgmental way, but just in a, Hey, if your world's not diverse, you may not know. Yeah. And so what does that then look like for your organization, your church community, 
to move to a place where uh, Revelation 7 of uh, every tongue, every culture could actually happen together. And that every single day we are cultivating the soil of that. So that was a really long answer to say. It's beautiful. (laughs) That is essentially what I do. Uh, part of what I do as a culture coach. And and I don't know anyone who is more equipped to do it. Um, in the 25 years that we've known one another, <laughs> we've seen one another in all these different situations mm-hmm. that can become very heated mm-hmm. and tense. You've always been the person to encourage majority culture. For our purposes, let's say Caucasian mm-hmm. culture to... Um, reach out. Mm-hmm. So what, like one of the profound uh, blind spots I think that you shared with me is when we've, we've had really tense times in our country with race relations, yeah. um, you know, where there have been police shootings mm-hmm. and all kinds of things that have happened. And the biggest mistake I think many of us make is to not do anything or not say anything. Mm-hmm. And you, Nikki Lerner, <laughs> encouraged me, you know how much it means to someone mm-hmm. of color to have their friend who is white say, how are you doing with all of this? I'm really sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry you're hurting. Doesn't have to be political. Doesn't, you right. know. Right. And you don't, you know, I, I like, there's a, a an online course that I teach. It's called uh, 10 Ways to Respond to Racially Fueled Events. Wow. And it talks about this and addresses it. And one of the, one of the ideas in there is, you know, we're, we're in this culture now I think with everything, almost everything now, it's not even just race anymore. Right. It's everything. It's race. It's Where gender. It's, it's, it's everything. everything yeah. Right. Where it's a, I call it a, a show me your scans culture. <laughs> you know, so it's like if you and I are hanging out and you tell me you broke your arm, right? Like I broke my arm today. You know, I fell on the ice. So, you know, I broke my arm. And my response to you as your friend is, well, can I see your, your x-ray? Sure. You know, and you're kind of like, um, yeah, but you know, but but you can see it right here. Like I broke my arm. I even have a cast on. Like I went to the doctor. I'm like, ah, oh, Trace. You know what? It's probably best if tomorrow I go to your doctor's appointment with you because that way I can have all the facts before I can say, oh, oh man, I'm really sorry. That that sounds like it hurt. That is such a great <laughs> example. We right? literally withhold our humanity, yes. our compassion, yes. our empathy for other human beings because yeah. it's not proven. Yeah, we don't have the scan. <laughs> here's the crazy thing is I, I actually think it's normal for us as human beings to respond. Like immediately. Right. You know, it's normal for us to say, oh, oh my gosh, are you okay? If that's Does normal. It hurt? Correct. But now we're training ourselves collectively mm. to resist that. We're actually training ourselves to resist what's human. And for those of us that follow Jesus, we can't lose this. Like we can't lose the compassionate, mm. beautiful, loving side. And and you can certainly identify with a person yeah. As much as you can, whether or not you either agree or disagree or need some facts or whatever before you speak, nobody needs facts before they show compassion. Amen. So, you know, a lot of times that's just what I'm trying to encourage people to do, because I think most people either say too much or they say nothing. Right. But there is a um, there's a gray middle, I think, that most of us want to live in and we live in. Mm-hmm. Where when those things happen, um, like you said, just a simple reach out. Hey, you know, I saw this happen and I just want, you know, how you doing? You okay? Because the reality is, is that there are some things that particularly have happened in the last couple of years, you know, and I live in a diverse world, diverse friend world. 
that have um, changed uh, my own experience with a lot of things. You know, when my husband tells me he would prefer me not go to the store in my do-rag and my hood after I come from the gym. Wow. I mean, that's a new thing for me at 43, even as a black person in America, you know? Mm. So these things really do mess with your mind, whether they're true or not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But the, that's why the relationship is so key that I, you can say, Hey, are you okay? Or something happens or somebody accuses you of something. Yeah. That is your burden. That's right. In your culture. So, uh, well, Tracy don't understand. She, you know, she don't know what, no, 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 no. You don't know Tracy. You know, that's the benefit of being in diverse culture together. It's just so much eye-opening stuff that you just dropped right there. I, I want to ask you, was there like a defining moment for you in your own life when you realized that you had a passion to see people come together? Were you, <laughs> were you hurt um, in your life mm. per- personally mm-hmm. in such a way that you thought, I've got to make it better. I've got to help people see. Well, you know, I like to tell people that, uh, and I didn't realize this until really a few years ago, that I grew up in a bicultural slash tricultural family, even though we were all black people. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that right? mean? <laughs> so, so my family history, so my parents were married, Wanda and Ronald. My dad, Ronald, um, died when I was one. He was in a car accident. So I didn't know him. My mom then remarried my stepfather when I was like two or three. Right. Mm-hmm. So what happened then was my mom's side of the family was very open culturally. Um, we always had different kinds of people around. My mom worked in a very diverse workspace. Like everywhere we went, there were all kinds of people. Wow. Right. And not only just culture as it relates to ethnicity, mm-hmm. but culture as it relates to, I remember um, we had, uh, my mom had deaf friends and blind friends wow. and, you know, friends in wheelchairs and like all kinds of people. So there was that side of my family. And then there was my stepfather's, stepfather's side of the family that most of his family came from an urban city context. Okay. See, a lot of times people think that um, either A, uh, all non-white people live in the city or they all have the same experience. <laughs> you know, I, that wasn't our experience it's at all. It's just not true. It's not. It's, it's its own culture group. And so that urban city context with kind of that multicultural context Oftentimes they clashed. They clashed and, and they did not understand each other. Wow. And then my biological side of the family, who's from Gloucester, Virginia, which is uh, my family's house, is literally you drive up to it, it's in the middle of the woods, it's country. Oh my goodness. Yes. And so those three cultures, not really always understanding each other. Yeah. And I remember being the only product of my family, of my parents and my family. There were family members sometimes that would um, make fun of me because of the way that I talk. Um, I distinctly mem- remember these things. <laughs> I remember, wow. yeah, I remember somebody saying, you know, uh, I had a, a family member who had some problems at school, and she would say, you know, Miss So and So, Miss Smith doesn't like me, and I'm like, well, I never had a problem, with Mrs. Smith, you know, whatever. And she's like, well, you know, she she only likes you because you talk white, because all talk your friends white. are white, yeah. And I'm like, what? You know, and literally at that time as a teenager, 
I don't know what that means because my mom's like, they just didn't talk about stuff like that. Right. Right. And your your experience, as far as you knew, was I'm black. My yes. parents are black. What do you mean I talk white? Right. So it led to this cultural um, confusion when I was a kid of always feeling like I wasn't enough of whatever. Right. Mm. And so that was the way I talk, who I hang out with, who I um, how I would sing even. Right. You know, there was a time where I was trying to sing like a black gospel singer because I thought, well, that's why I'm supposed to be because I'm black. You know, and I'm wow. like, but I don't sound like that. <laughs> you know, I sound like me. <laughs> and so I think that's so interesting. Yeah, that I remember there was another family member told me, you know, they didn't want me dating little white boys because they were afraid that I was going to lose my heritage and my culture. And just I think things like that made me feel marginalized mm. in my own culture, um, sometimes in my own family. And I think instead, you know, some people turn that into anger yeah. and separation. For me, it's part of my personality. For me, it turned into, I don't want anybody that ever comes into my sphere to ever feel that way. That they can't bring who they are, mm. at least when they're with me. Right. You know, they can and, bring all of it. Yeah, bring all of it. And I think, you know, I, I like to call that the divine setup because I didn't realize it when I was younger. Um, and it was hard at times, but that totally set me up for what I'm doing now. My so goodness. there's been lots of things, but I've been reflecting on that a lot about how I grew up. So I know both. I know inclusion and I know marginalization. And the thing I try to do through culture coaching is to help other people know, no matter what culture they come from, that they know what it feels like too. Right? Yes. It's, it's one of many things we can find common ground on. Wow. Is we all know what it feels like to be marginalized. We all know what it feels like to be misunderstood. Stereotyped. Right. Stereotyped. You know, our heart questioned, um, you know, in a room where you feel like you don't know what the code is. Everybody has felt that at some level. We may, they may not have all the same experience. Right. But we don't have to. Mm -hmm. We just have to identify with the core of what the feeling and the emotion is. Can I ask you a question? For, yeah. Um, for a lot of folks that say, that have just a, an, an openness and a great heart to love all people, you'll hear mm -hmm. them say, well, I don't see color. Mm -hmm. I don't see color. I'm colorblind. Mm -hmm. um, tell us what would be a better way mm. to say that and why maybe it's better to not say that I'm colorblind, mm -hmm. um, but that you actually do see it and why that's important. Mm. Well, let me affirm first that, um, and it's important for, for people from some culture group to hear someone like me say this, Yes, is that the motivation and the core of where that comes out of is pure and beautiful and yes. honest. Yes. And it's, it, it, it's, it's exactly what Dr. King was talking about, right? It's at its core, it's somebody at saying, I love all people. Absolutely. I don't judge people based on color. Right, right. right. So thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, awesome. That's great. Right. But I think what um, other people from different cultures can feel like, and it's very important, can feel, because mm -hmm. it may not be what's true, can feel like is that, um, yes, that's true and that's great, but sometimes we skip a lot of steps. Mm. It's almost like you're, you know, you've moved all the way over to the end while there's still like all of this weird stuff in the middle. So to be colorblind in theory is great. And we all should be that way in a sense. But just for some added insight is 
particularly non-white American people um, who've grown up here in the country, Mm -hmm. that their uh, culture as it relates to ethnicity, right, um, is not a discomfort. It's not something that we try to act like isn't there. Mm. It's not something we ignore. It's quite the opposite. Um, you know, I love, I love that my skin is brown. You know, mm-hmm. I love thinking about the history of my people, you know, strong yes. and persevering and determined. And yes. like, we love all this. I love that my hair is natural and, you know, I have an afro. Like, we love those things. And we don't have the luxury to not think about uh, our race. And I know that even mm. still might feel some, feel kind of weird. Um, and hopefully people listening get my heart on this is, you know, I'm 43 and there has never been a time growing up in the United States where I've not been aware of the fact that I'm African-American. Wow. You know, kind of like some, uh, some cultures in our, our country identify as Americans. Mm-hmm. Right. And we feel that. I think we all feel that. But, but there's, a, there's a group, I think, that um, can feel like, oh, we're American. That same level of uh, consciousness and collectiveness, that's how n- particularly non-majority people see when it comes to their race. It's because it's always been a factor always. in how you navigate life always. in this place that we love called America. You yes. have to deal with it. You have to, uh, I mean, this is what, you know, Dr. King fought for, yes. right? And we're still um, seeing that, um, that fight, that journey continue for for equity and justice yeah. and freedom for all and yeah. it's not over <laughs> if anything we know that it's still right there in the forefront so your experience as a black person mm-hmm. it, it includes all of that so mm-hmm. when i say or when i say to you mm-hmm. i don't see color mm-hmm. which i wouldn't say by the way because mm-hmm. i because i know yeah. I, i've learned some things yeah but basically what i'm saying which the heart might be really great yes I, means i love you i don't yes. judge you but what would be better is to say, wow, you're a beautiful mm-hmm. black woman yeah. who brings her culture, her mm-hmm. experience. In other words, I get to see part of your identity and see it as something valuable that you bring right. to this world and to our relationship. I don't yeah. say, oh, yeah, my friend Nikki and I, we're like, we're like besties, you know, but I don't, I don't even really notice that she's black. Well, of course I noticed that you're black. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and <it's laughs> I, I love that you're black. It, and even how we, how we talk, I mean, I can liken it to, um, you know, if you're listening and, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm not so sure about this. Just be aware of conversation around you sometimes, right? Yeah. So sometimes it would be, yeah, you know, my friend Jim, you know, and he, he's a black guy. He's blah, 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 right? Or my friend Wendy, you know, and she's white. And blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing that those of us that know Jesus, we talk about unsafe people like this. Oh, they're not, they don't know, they don't know the Lord. Exactly. Right. So my friend Becky, you know, she's not a believer, but blah, 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 blah. We do that all the time. As a frame of reference. Correct. And people do that all the time. And then, you know, you and I know if we say in context, well, she's not a believer. We're not trying to say anything negative. It's just context. Context, right? So just to know, particularly for white American culture, that for non-white people in America, um, we have we always talk about race. Always. It's wow. it's there's jokes. Wow. There's tears. Always. And for, I think for most white Americans, 
you, either you don't talk about it at all, right? Because it's like we don't do that, or you talk about it so much that you've wow. got racist, you know, t- backgrounds and family. But there's not a comfort level there. So sometimes when people say, you know, well, why do all you know these people have to always bring up race? Yeah. Or oh whatever? yeah, you hear that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing to to know is that, we, and again, I'm 43, right? And I'm uh, I'm a product of it. The lot was things that get passed down our historical line, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, thoughts and patterns and language, right? And you have it too yeah. as a white American, right? And that is something that is passed down. I'm hopeful at some point it's going to work itself out. Yes. Right? That at some point in a generation, people really will say, I don't see color. I, I hope that it, it will come to that. We just see each other as people. Right. But just to know that. Um, our our ethnic come from it's just a sign it's a signal to one another that there is a deeper story that needs to be excavated and it's part of who you are and you're not ashamed of it you're not exactly it's and so to to even embrace that about uh, your relationships with Mm -hmm. people of of color of Mm -hmm. different ethnicities you know I mean I can't imagine talking to um, one of my Korean friends and not mm-hmm. asking them about have you ever made kimchi you right, know right. Um, I can't imagine talking to you and not wanting to know mm-hmm. um, what is it what was it like for you when you visited the uh, African-American Museum of History and Culture tell me what that felt like to mm-hmm. you y- you know what I mean because it oh, felt different yeah. to you than it felt to me absolutely I love that place it's, it's- amazing isn't it yeah, and I kind of out myself a little bit because uh, me personally, I really don't like going to museums, particularly when it's around my history, Is my that people's right? history. Yeah, because I, and again, it's just my personal opinion. I feel like that it only focuses on the fact that my people were slaves. Like, that's it. And in fact, mm. in fact... All it focuses on is my people were slaves and your people were slave owners. But so this museum is different, isn't oh it? Oh my goodness. This museum is just fantastic because I feel like it tells the rest of the story. Right. Which is, you know, there's all these different kinds of people from everywhere who were abolitionists and working together. Working together. And it wasn't just all my people. Right. And it wasn't just all your people. It wasn't all just, there were people from everywhere. And I left that place. Like, they're not telling the whole story. This is the whole story, mm. you know? And it's a story of such strength and dignity and perseverance yeah. and people fighting for what's right. And neither one of us have to hide behind, oh, God, my people were slave owners. And, oh, my people were slaves. You know, that's just part of who our people were. Right. <laughs> you know, right. there were other people that were thriving and working hard and from yeah. all cultures. And now in this day and age, that is what collectively we need to remember is that there were people from all of our cultures who were fighting for the cause for unity and understanding. Yes. Um, you know, even in the civil rights movement, people don't always realize that the civil rights movement was not all, all African-American people. Right. That was a multicultural movement of people. You know, people lost their lives um, for the sake across all kinds of cultures. Mm. And I think if we can remember that, um, that starts to tap us into hope and faith and future. Like we're in this together. Absolutely. We are in this together. Let me ask you on a um, personal level, 
in your relationships with friends mm-hmm. uh, and even let's let's say your husband. So mm-hmm. people don't realize your husband yes. is Caucasian. Yes, he is. And I introduced you. Well, I always say he's a little more black than I am. <laughs> <laughs> he currently holds my black card. <laughs> I love your husband, David. Oh, he's great. He's wonderful. He's, mm-hmm. He also is one of my dearest friends, and mm-hmm. I feel quite proud of myself for uh, introducing the two yes, of you. I take yes. credit for that. I will always take credit for I that. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> can you tell us um, what would be something that could help people if they've never really had relationships, deep, meaningful relationships with people cross-culturally? Um, what would be a way to start and is it inappropriate or offensive for someone to say well I you know I really would like to have uh, an Asian friend or mm-hmm. a black friend or a white friend is is that even mm-hmm. okay to say yeah. and how do you begin that does it just need to happen organically or can you intentionally go after that that's a great question so first of all I would always say like with anything else that you set out to do that's new is always poke your why why, why do you want a friend outside of Do you, do you of think it's cool group? or neat or is it a core Correct. value that, that God right. is leading you this way to have a greater understanding of who right. he is and to see the value of people? That would be a better why. Yeah. Like why, why do you want to hang out with that interracial couple in your church? Mm-hmm. Why? Is it because you're curious about things that you may not know about? You know, like are you, or do you really want to get to know someone? Like right. just staying human. Again, like human, (laughs) right? So always start with why. The second thing I would say is, particularly if your world has been monocultural, the intentionality that you have to utilize is is, uh, really important. And it's not what you think it might be. It might not be like, I don't have any, you know, Korean friends in my world, so I'm going to go take a trip to Korea. Like, that's a little extreme. Um, (laughs) and you may not speak the language and it may turn out really bad. And you're like, see, this is why I don't have any Korean friends, you know, (laughs) because sometimes we do that. Yeah. But the thing is, is try to figure out where could I place myself intentionally that I could have some more interaction with people that are not like me, Mm. you know? I love that thought. I love, that's a great motivator. Yeah. It's easy because then you start to think of things like where, what grocery store do I go to in what neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Where do I take my dry cleaning? Wow. Who does my hair? Mm. Mm. That's a big one. Yes. Who does my hair? Um, we should do a whole show on hair. We really should. <laughs> my goodness. Because it's so much more than just. It is. Oh, my gosh. It's yes. deep. It's deep, right? Mm-hmm. You know, who's my doctor? Yeah. Who's my primary care physician? Um and even in your church, you know, if you really look around your church community, is it all one culture? Um, and if so, why? Because that's not the biblical example. That's a whole nother show, by the way. It is. Um, yes, it is. But if it is, <laughs> then it's, okay, well, is there, a, is there a church event that I could go to? Is there a concert I could go to? Is there a, there are opportunities around us every single day you know instead of going to that chris tomlin concert every year now i love me some chris tomlin but you know go to a donnie mcclurkin concert go to both go to both take your friends right yeah go see you know a a latin uh worship group you know go be led by a korean worship leader Mm. you know and and vice versa if you haven't been led, this is 
hard because this always happens again another show on on majority culture mm-hmm. but you know if you're not used to being led by somebody white go immerse yourself into a white cultured thing you yeah. know for something now most people they do that already because it's a required course for us <laughs> mm. um, your culture is but you know those are things that are literally easy and that phrase i hate this phrase low-hanging fruit but it is what it is but it's, it is it's right in front of you start with what is right in front of you and then if you want to jump into a friend level think about who's around you first like don't just go run up to somebody at the gym be like hey i need some black friends can you be my friend you know <laughs> don't do that it's probably you might get a punch in the throat for that <laughs> um, you know but start where start where you are maybe it's somebody you connect with on facebook that's in yeah. another town maybe it's someone like me that you know is a safe cultural person that you could literally just send an email to right uh, there's so much opportunity trace around mm-hmm. us that I think if we can um, start to uh, put out a new narrative <laughs> and a proactive movement mm-hmm. towards reconciliation and mm-hmm. race, I think that it then impacts some of these quote unquote bigger things because yes. the bigger things don't happen unless the smaller things are happening every day and they're going unnoticed and unchecked. Yes. Right. Yes. And so what, I mean, just imagine, imagine a world mm-hmm. where uh, we had um, people intentionally, purposefully, mm. and eagerly um, placing themselves in environments where they were exposed to people of different cultures yeah. for the, the sheer joy of learning and growing and experiencing, mm-hmm. um, intentionally putting yourself in those environments. I think that is a great first step. I feel really blessed because I've always been around a diverse mm-hmm. environment. I just yes. always have. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes take that for granted. Mm. You know, <laughs> when I come across folks who have grown up in a different kind yes. of geographical um, culture where they're just not exposed. Yes. And, um, and, and yet I have been. Yes. I have been. My, gosh, my, uh, my junior high and my high school Mm-hmm. I went around here, you know, yeah, went to uh, yeah. Johnny Cake Junior High School, which doesn't exist anymore. Right. And Woodlawn Senior Woodlawn. High School. Went to Woodlawn. Yeah. Class of 82. Go Woodlawn Warriors. Where are my people over there? <laughs> your, your people are there. And you know, yes. I I loved mm-hmm. it. I never yeah. thought of it as, um, oh, this is unusual. Mm-hmm. It was just my experience in my life. Yeah. And so I grew up. I mean, just being a young teenager, doing life with people from different walks of life. Yeah. And yet I remember um, the first time that I wanted to experience a cross-cultural friendship and bring someone home for dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, Guess who's coming to dinner. Guess who's coming (laughs) to dinner. I also remember... Um, and and not just um, African-American culture, but I had a very close friend in high school um, who was Jewish and who still is, as a yes. matter of fact. <laughs> still Jewish. <laughs> who still right. is. And who invited me to Passover. Mm. And we were like 14 years old. Yeah. That was a big deal. Yes. For his family. Like, mm-hmm. who was this chick coming to Passover dinner? Right. And my family's like, you're going to go do what? Um, They're like, you brought your Irish friend. <laughs> much she has red hair what are you doing here and i'm like i think i like this matzo ball soup yeah that's how i'm gonna start referring to you my irish friend your irish friend 
<laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, I never take for granted the exposure yeah. that I've had to different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been rich and beautiful and sweet and a great part of who I am today. Getting mm-hmm. to know you has has shaped me. Mm. You know, it shaped me to be able to see um, the world and things that happen in the world through your eyes mm. because you've been so generous to share mm-hmm. how things feel. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. And I and I want when people hear this conversation, I want them to hear there's there. Gosh, we're not like don't, you should this and you should that. There's none of that going no, on here. There no. is encouragement that yeah. if these things um, are touching your heart as well, mm-hmm. if you're looking for how what can I do yeah. to to make the world better in this regard, what can I do? Well, maybe step one, what you just said, Nikki, intentionally um, put yourself in environments where you're exposed to different kinds of people and. You know, ask God, help me to love people well in every culture. Yes, because let's be honest. I mean, not all of us are cut out to go to a march. You know, not all of us. I know I'm not. You know, not all of us are cut out to write a big check to an organization. But here's what we can do. Everybody can start in their own neighborhood, in their own, you know, I mean, the things that I mentioned, you know, your own coffee shops, your own churches. Everybody can do that. And so therefore, there's no, you look at two ways. There's no excuse Mm. and there's no limitation. That's what I love about this time that we live in right now when it comes to race and culture. There are literally no limitations, therefore no excuses for any of us, particularly those of us that know Christ, to not have someone in our world who is different than us culturally. We got to keep it real with Mm. ourselves Look at your pictures. Look at the weddings. Look at where you go. Look at where you work. Is it just people like you? And there's nothing wrong, per se, with that. Right, but right. I'm just saying, and you said it when we started, we're, it, it's so much better when we're together and we're yeah. more diverse. We learn more. We're aware of more. Um, life is just richer. Um, and then when things do happen and they blow up, you know, you always know. You can call me and, and say. And I do. Oh, and you do. <laughs> And, and I'm do. grateful. Help me understand why th- this person or this group is having this reaction. Yeah. You know, help me understand. Um, I'll never forget during election season, I remember calling um, a friend who votes very differently than I did um, in the election. And I remember calling him and I said, hey, I just want to know, just talk to me about what what led you to vote the way you did this time or even previous you know what matters to you that was the question I asked that's a great question and so bold yeah, of you to instead ask of it me, like just call, <laughs> calling and being like I can't believe that you that doesn't get anywhere right? right and it's not even righteous anger at that point you're just mad voting is very complex and people's reasons for the way that they vote the way that they do mm-hmm. is also equally as complex and so Instead of sitting in a space where I was just confused on some things, I said, well, let me call someone that has a different life experience than me when it comes to politics. Wow. And my friend, Generous, shared some things with me that I'm like, you know what? I I can see. I understand why, because that matters to you, you voted like that. Right. How many people would have the courage to ask a question like that? I love that you asked that question. You ask great questions. Oh, thanks. You always have. You are a, you, you say you like to poke things. <laughs> I do. You never just I'm take it. I'm curious about everything. You're curious about things. I am. But there's a humility in that. Mm. There's a humility in staying curious about people and, and not judging mm-hmm. what you don't understand, but yeah. having the courage to ask 
a great question. By the way, asking the question and actually listening to the answer, not already planning your rebuttal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which unfortunately I you know, I, I I don't like that about the current culture that we live mm-hmm. in that a lot of times that's what it feels like people oh, do. Absolutely. But you ask great questions. I wanna I wanna suggest mm-hmm. that's uh part of what we want to give people today. Position yourself in a place yes. where there are people different from you and ask great questions. And he- here's a question. Okay. Okay. Is I teach this in one of my courses, particularly when you are, when you feel offense, right? Mm. Around whatever it is, <laughs> right? Race, culture, politics, religion, like gender, what a theology, my goodness, right? right? Your eyes are blue. I don't like blue That's eyes. That's right. Whatever it is. That's right. You know, you, you're left-handed. Yeah. I don't like how you hold your pen. I know. You have highlights. Well, highlights are from the devil. It's <laughs> in Leviticus chapter 142. You know, like just that kind of stuff where we, we always feel like... <laughs> <laughs> green bean casserole, I'm offended. Right. What like, do green beans ever do to you? Yeah, don't wrap your head. You look like a terrorist. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, wait, but I, I have cancer and I'm trying, you know. Right. Just all of that, right? Whenever we feel offense, don't judge it. Take a breath. (laughs) Okay, take a breath. And then ask the person you're with this question. Can you tell me more? Hmm. It will take you right up out your feelings. That's so good. Take a breath. Take a breath. My goodness. Can you say more about that? Can you tell Mm -hmm. me more about that? Because then you become focused on the person you're with and not on your own stuff and you even could be freeing up that person yes to feel safer to share a little bit more because you know what people don't always articulate exactly what they mean on the first the first pass through (laughs) it's like you know i'm just kind of like trying to verbally process and that didn't come out the way that i meant so you pausing and asking another you know can you tell me more gives that person a chance to pause and say more. And it is in the line of Jesus. I would challenge anybody to challenge me on that. Yeah. That is in the way of Christ. Mm. When he sees somebody in something or whatever, he always asks a question. That's the best question. Because even when you ask the question, you affirm the humanity and the dignity in the person you are having a conversation with right (laughs) yes like we're starting to have in-person conversations like we talk on facebook you know they're our our in-person conversations aren't one-dimensional you know they're they're three-dimensional and um i mean i would even encourage people listening to say you know if you're a social media person and you get caught up on an argument on facebook and you know the person call them yes don't respond call them i actually did this about i don't know four months ago or something and a friend of mine had said something kind of weird on my on my facebook feed about something culture related and i'm like i know this guy i know this i know this is not what he means so i called him and i said hey can we just talk about what you said i said because i just want to understand and let me just tell you he softened and he was like you know what nick oh here's just what i don't understand now we can have a conversation. Wow. That Facebook, you know, posting, you know, 140 characters, whatever, that's not human. That's, that's not who we are. And so if we get back to taking a breath and, and calling someone or talking to them, having coffee and saying, can you tell me more? Yeah. Not, I need to tell you what I meant by that. Right. But can you tell me more? Right. And then if you're still offended, you know what you ask them after that? Keep telling me more. 
Keep it open. Yes, because the point is not to disagree, agree. That's not what conversation is for. That's debate. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for that, but not in everyday life. Right. Just conversation. And then nine times out of ten, you can say, would you like to hear what I think about it? Now we're having human interaction. That is such good I mean, stuff. think about how that, that could go, talking about culture and race, because yeah. we don't have positive conversations around culture and race in this country. We only talk about it when we're on fire. You're right. I Me mean, think about that. We we talk about this stuff when all of us are all up in our feelings. When and things are escalated, yes. there's something in the news that's triggered something, yes. and, and that's now when every, we talk. Hmm, let's, let's. I mean, seriously. Let's not wait for that to talk. Yeah, no. Let's let's be proactive and let's talk in the in betweens. Talking in betweens, right? Like this, right? Yeah. Talking in the in betweens, and I don't have to agree with you, and you don't have to agree with me, because that's not the point. Right. The point is to understand each other more. I love what our pastor says. We oh, could say yeah. it together, couldn't we? Yeah. Comprehension begins with, with conversation. conversation. <laughs> That's right. I, and he's right. He is right. Nikki, I have loved our conversation. Would you come back and, and could we do this again and again and of again? Of course. Anytime. I loved it. Anytime. Uh, Thanks for asking. You're doing really important work. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and, you're, and you do personal coaching. Yeah. Um, you do coaching for organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki, the culture coach. Yeah. <laughs> How can people reach you? So the best way to reach me is NikkiLearner.com, N-I-K-K-I-L-E-R-N-E-R.com. Mm-hmm. And then that will send you to everything I'm up to, uh, social media, you know, online courses, personal coaching. You can book me to speak, work with your organization, all that good stuff. Um, Nikki is one of the wisest, safest mm. people in my world. Oh, thanks for that. I thank God for your life. Back at you, baby. <laughs> Hey, thanks for uh, hanging out with us. And um, thanks for listening to Your Day Brighter, the podcast. Uh, Real conversations, real stories, and real reasons to have hope in this world. I'm your host, Tracy Tiernan. Catch you later with some green bean casserole. Mm, Collard greens. (laughs) Your Day Brighter is produced by Brighter Media Group, Tracy Tiernan, and John Lawhon. Editing by Julie Gilligan. Make sure you're subscribed, leave a review, and tell us what you think of the podcast. And make sure you share it with someone who needs encouragement today. Thanks so much for listening. And tell somebody your story today. Or better yet, ask to hear their story.